You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Alaska Department of Public Safety is asking state legislators for $7.5 million to buy a new patrol boat. That's after an inspection last fall found its current boat unsafe to operate. The Alaska Beacon reports that the request was included in Governor Mike Dunleavy's amended budget proposal released last week. It's now under consideration in the Capitol. According to a department spokesperson, the patrol boat Enforcer had significant pitting and corrosion in the steel and a large mold infestation in the cabin. The vessel is based in Juneau. It was decommissioned in January after a November inspection turned up a wide range of problems, including aging equipment, wasted steel, and leaking hatches. The Department of Public Safety operates 88 boats of all sizes, and the Enforcer is the department's second largest, behind the Stimson, which patrols commercial fisheries out of Kodiak. The Enforcer could be repaired, the department said, at an estimated cost of $3 million. It would take two years, but those repairs would extend the boat's life for only 10 years. A new large patrol boat could operate for 30 years, the department estimates, operate in more extreme weather conditions, and be more effective overall. The department's proposal is included in the amended capital budget, now under review by budget subcommittees in the House and Senate. The child care crisis in Sitka isn't just about a lack of places to enroll a child or a lack of money. It's also about finding someone reliable and qualified just to babysit. A group of middle school students is working to change that dynamic. Eleven girls and three boys are taking a 15-hour babysitting certification course offered by 4-H through the University of Alaska Cooperative Extension Service. KCAW reporter-at-large Carrie Sagel accompanied the students as they studied first aid, nutrition, discipline, entertainment, and business management, and sent this audio postcard. Is this raspberry flavored biscotti? Yes, it is. My name is Annette Evans. I'm the Ventures Child Care Coordinator. Thank you for coming. I'm excited that uh, we get to share a program with you, and I just want you to know that I'm really proud of you all for taking this class. I'm happy to hear that Sitka has someone like Jasmine in the 4-H to um, put on a class like this for you all. Uh, my name's Everett Woodcock. What kind of homework is involved in a babysitting class? Well, last time we had a food practice, so we had to draw out a meal and show like the my plate, all the uh, nutritions in it, and we I put instructions on the back on how to make it. So, what kind of food did you make or plan for? I did chicken quesadillas with topped with like lettuce and tomatoes and stuff. So my name's Paul. I work in the emergency room, and uh, also I run on the ambulance at the fire department as a volunteer, and I teach advanced life support, basic life support, pediatric advanced life support. So my name is Bella, and I'm taking this class to kind of learn and get more experience with babysitting. Have you babysat before? Yes, I am currently babysitting a seven-year-old. What do you think is the most important thing you've learned so far? Probably responsibility and how important that is while taking a babysitting job. Diaper rash. Who has seen diaper rash? You've seen diaper rash? Awesome. What do you do for diaper rash? Apply cream. That's right. You apply cream to diaper rash. Okay? Maybe when I'm done with this, I'll tell you. Oh, I'm sick of it. I think I know. But I won't do it right now. Next, scan the chest for 5 to 10 seconds, checking for breathing. If the person is not breathing normally or is only gasping, 
He needs CPR. I am Nova Schmidt. And um, what led you to take this class? Um, I am taking this class because I really wanted to learn about like responsibilities and how to entertain them because I would like to start babysitting. Have you babysat before? No, I haven't babysat before. And do you have a babysitting job lined up? Not yet. How do you play this game? Wait, I think I won because look, I get three in a row, I think. Uh, actually, my first job in childcare was here at Baranoff in the what was then called Latchkey. It's this program, it's now called Ventures. So I started out in Ventures when I was 17, 18 years old um, as a paid job. Went off to college knowing that I wanted to be a teacher and found uh, a Montessori approach to education and pursued my Montessori teaching certification. I did a way to get four in a row. That was pretty cool. That was KCAW reporter-at-large Carrie Sagel with an audio postcard from the 4-H babysitting certification course in Sitka. Fourteen students will graduate with certificates on February 27th and will hold a community meet-and-greet for families and potential clients following the ceremony. Southeast Alaska's sea otter population has been growing quickly, and concerns are bubbling up about the impact they have on fisheries. As KRBD's Reagan Miller reports, elected officials in Ketchikan are pushing the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to come up with a plan to control otter populations, or turn over management to the state. John Ryan lives in Hollis, on Prince of Wales Island. He's seen the island's population of sea otters soar over the last handful of years, and he's worried. Residents like Ryan worry the boom will shut down profitable dive fisheries, like sea cucumber and gooey duck. The quota has gone down over the years, and it's, it's hurting people's livelihoods. Um, and that money uh, that's generated from that is going through, and it's you know, raising families and putting food on families' tables. Sea otters have a critical place in the ecosystem. Scientist and University of Alaska Southeast Professor Barbara Morgan says otters eat shellfish that would otherwise decimate vital kelp beds, which would be a big blow to the ecosystem. Kelp beds are hugely important to the environment that they are in. They provide protection for the coast that they are along. They break the, the, the power of waves as they come onshore, and so that really limits how much the wave action can like, affect the coast. But there wasn't always a healthy population in Southeast. Russian fur traders overharvested the animals in the 18th century, and years later, wildlife officials started to try and build the population back up. Now there's thought to be more than 50,000 animals around the region. Now that otter numbers are growing rapidly, Morgan says one specific concern is that established populations on the western outer coast of southeast Alaska will make their way into the inner channels of the Alexander Archipelago. And that would put them into areas that have really active shellfish fisheries, crabs um, in particular, shrimp. And people don't want the sea otters to impact those harvests, those fisheries, um, and wipe them out. Totally understandable. I'm not sure that they that that's an imminent threat, though. But Ryan says he wants to get ahead of the issue before it becomes a bigger problem. He shared his concerns in a proposal to the Board of Game, asking the state to devise a plan to manage otter populations. The board dismissed the proposal out of hand before the meeting began. They said they don't have jurisdiction. That's because sea otters are protected under federal law by the 1972 Marine Mammal Protection Act. It's not something that's going to be put in place 
you know, overnight. It's going to take years, um, but there needs to be a harvest. So Ketchikan's Borough Assembly highlighted it as a key federal policy issue during a recent lobbying trip to Washington, D.C. Borough Mayor Rodney Dial says local officials want to see the federal government manage otter populations more aggressively or turn management over to the state. So we're just asking for a dialogue. We're asking for the federal government to to be involved in the process, to listen to people on the local level, and hopefully that we can all work together to, you know, because everybody loves sea otters. And, and um, you know, we just need to find a way to, to balance the population so that the sea otter population doesn't wipe out populations of other creatures. As it stands, sea otter populations are managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Current protections allow Alaska Native people to harvest sea otters for subsistence food purposes and to use their fur to create goods and sell them in the form of handicrafts. Anyone who is not Alaska Native is federally prohibited from harvesting the animals or selling or buying their pelts. Fishermen have raised concerns over otter populations before. In 2010, then-Congressman Don Young introduced a bill that would roll back some restrictions on the sale of sea otter pelts in response to pressure from fishermen. Grant Echohawk, one of the Assembly members who traveled to Washington with Dial, says the goal is to simply find balance and strike up a conversation. What we're looking for is to make sure that we, as, as this is happening, that the pendulum isn't swinging too quickly in the wrong direction. Echohawk says he wanted to make sure that lawmakers had the most up-to-date data on otters in Alaska, since the populations have risen considerably since the species came under federal control. A 2015 University of Alaska Fairbanks study found that southeast Alaska's sea otter populations have grown by 10 to 15 percent each year. We just want to make sure there's smart decisions being made. No matter what happens, Ketchikan's tribe says that area tribes need to be involved in the decision-making. Tony Gallegos is Ketchikan Indian Community's Cultural Resources Director. Anybody that's proposing changes in the regulations should be talking with the tribes before they uh, propose regulatory changes. Gallegos says tribes are best able to manage the sea otter population as part of their traditional lifestyle. He says that right now he doesn't want to see any changes to the federal law protecting the otter, at least not until scientists have better data. There needs to be a determination on what a good optimal population size is and uh, then try to maintain uh, the sea otter population at that level. And that's probably going to require calling uh, those populations by hunting. Whether any changes are coming, though, is an open question. Officials at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service declined to say whether they're exploring options for otter management. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.